0: Welcome into episode 171 of the Tool Shed with Clayton and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host Eric Cross. We will be continuing our shortstop. And in this episode, had to on the fly kind of this in the two episodes because there's so many fun players to talk about that we couldn't fit it all in one episode without it being nearly two hours. So we're back here again, and with me as usual is my 80 co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's up, bud?
1: Not too much. It's just like we did this and we did, but like you said, short stops deep. It's fun. There's a lot to talk about. So we had to cut it into two. Hopefully you're okay with that. I hope that you're not upset that you're getting another episode from us. We're excited. Hope you are too.
0: I know. How dare we do more episodes? Right. How dare we? I know this was a, we'll probably do the same thing for outfield too. Maybe even picture. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll figure that out beforehand. So we're not doing it on the fly. Like we did last episode, but yeah, you know, it's fine for a catcher, first, second, third. But yeah, once you get in the, especially shortstop, outfield, and pitcher, those are the three, the three beasts, obviously. So hard to really condense this is all, all these players we want to talk about and the risers and followers and have some debates. And then all of a sudden, we're like, hey, 45 minutes in and we're halfway through. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's always fun, this position. And we'll get into the dynasty side of it today. So no prospect talk, just the major league guys here. Obviously, we'll mention our, Rankings, which will include prospects, obviously, but the discussion points will all be on the major league side of things. But before we do some quick housekeeping here, you can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at Aircross04, and our show is at tool Toolshed. If you enjoyed this podcast, please write and review those ratings and reviews do mean a lot. Check out my Patreon for more work from me and Chris's Substack for more work from him. And make sure to check out all the great stuff that Fantrax and Fantrax HQ have to offer. 2023 Fantasy Baseball Leagues are all open. Again, best balls, drafted holds, classic drafts, everything. So if you got that itch, you go over there and join up, you know, existing league, movie leagues over today. A lot of good stuff over there on the platform. And on the HQ content side, our 2023 Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit kicked off earlier this week as well. Be a lot of fun stuff in there. Obviously, Dynasty and Prospect stuff, rankings, strategies, sleepers, bus, you know, mock drafts, all the good stuff. So check that out as well. All right, let's get into it here with our Dynasty shortstop rankings. Let's let's break it up. Let's go 10 at a time here, even though we could go bigger chunks. But I think that's easier to do chunks of 10 here. So, Chris, who are your top 10 Dynasty shortstop rankings?
1: All right, so I've got Trey Turner at the top, followed by Bobby Witt Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr. These are an interesting tier of guys right here, I think. So I guess we can talk more about that when we really dive in, but you you have it kind of inverse of me a little bit. But four is Bobachette. Five is Francisco Lindor. Six is Wander Franco. Seven, Corey Seager. Eight is Ellie De La Cruz. Nine is O'Neill Cruz. And 10 is Tim Anderson, which I'm not even sure I like Tim Anderson in that spot. <laughs> I'm probably going to adjust the ranking on the fly here just reading them like a kind of like that. So
0: it's like it's like a, a toolset tool shed tradition to adjust on the fly. We 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 do that cuz it's good to have these episodes too. Like obviously we hope you all enjoy it, but and and we're always looking at our rankings from, you know, team perspectives, you know, positional perspectives, but sometimes you don't really see something until we talk about it and like, oh, yeah, you know, why do I have this guy behind this guy? So this is good for us as well and helps us kind of fine-tune our rankings a bit yeah,
1: more i mean i moved so i moved him down which bumps carlos correa in a 10 spot
0: cool carlos correa said o'neill cruz nine correa 10 yeah. all right yeah So like the first four i struggle. like the first four are clear-cut top tier for me i struggle with the order and it's gone back and forth a few times but for now i still have tatis at one it's risky as heck i know it but Obviously, we saw what he can do with just like 130 games back in 2021. Then I have Turner, two, Witt, three, which they're back-to-back. I might flip-flop, but I probably will flip-flop and put Witt, two, Turner, three. Then Bichette, four, Franco five, Lindor, six, Gunder Henderson at seven, O'Neal Cruz, eight, Xander Bogarts, nine, and Dansby Swanson, ten. All right, so let's talk about that top tier there. Tatis, Turner. Wit Bichette, so we, we both have Bo at four but that still is i think what do i have him overall like 13 or 14 i'm sure you is he still top 20 for you Bo shit
1: yeah he is and okay. i had like i don't know it was a weird case like at some point in the season i was like man i really need to drop him and i think i dropped him to like 30 and i was like oh that's just not and then he went on a tear in the second half of the year <laughs> okay i was wrong he's at 19th for for me overall okay. yeah so Number four
0: there for both of us, but still top 20. I think I have him 14 or what I should I have my spreadsheet up. Let me just take a look at that real quick. To give you the exact number here. Yeah, I have Bo Bichette at, yeah, 14. Okay, I knew he was right in that range. And then I have, yeah, Turner and Witt are back-to-back 7 and 8. And I have Tatis at 5 with Kyle Tucker sandwiched in the middle of them. Man, I, I really struggle with this. Obviously, I think the highest upside of this group is Tatis. We saw it. 42.25 and just 130 games. All the power, speed metrics are there, but obviously he's you know injured way too much and had some you know other off the field stuff to kind of limit his time on the field as well. We're hearing that San Diego might want to trade him, which kind of signals that they're kind of fed up with him. At least in my eyes, like only time you'd ever want to trade a guy like Tatis is if you're like, all right, we're done dealing with this stuff. So. He's tough to, to rank. I, I could see Bobby Witt Jr. going up to number one this year. I really could. I love Bobby Witt Jr., obviously. You have him at two. He's, people are kind of knocking him like, all right, well, his OPS isn't high or stuff like that. And like, all right, that's that, sure. But he is a potential, like, he could put up a 30 40 or 30 35 year or something like that at one point. And it wouldn't surprise me. It could happen this year. He would 20 30. This past year, one of the only rookies ever to do that. And why can we why are we not expecting some realistic growth in his second full year as a young 22 year old player? Why can't he get the average up a little bit? He for a higher average than minor leagues is he probably not a 300 hitter. But could he be 270 as opposed to what he had, 252? I think it was. Sure. I think he'd get the average up a little bit. Maybe never will be a super high OBP guy. but He did show more patience. In the in the minor league. so I think both the average and OBP will probably go up this year, and I, I won't be surprised to see him go twenty five thirty five this year as a twenty two year old. So we could be looking at Witt Junior as the new number one here pretty damn soon.
1: Yeah, it could be interesting. I'm mean, I'm not sure he gets to number one overall.
0: Not well, not overall, but at this the position, shortstop. I mean. Yeah, yeah the, shortstop. the
1: shortstop position. I could see. I think it's kind of fluid at this at the top. Yeah. He said Turner's got the age going against him. Tatis is a, still a question mark, even though Tatis's talent level is number one by by far, I think. Him and a are easily like one, two on just pure fantasy upside and talent, but Tatis just has the question marks, which that that's concerning. So this there's the top three. Like you said, it's pretty clear. And there's a the drop off to Bo. But I have looking at it, I have Turner 8th overall, Witt ninth overall, and Tatis 11th overall in my overall rankings. So, this, you know, this, it could all change pretty quickly, I think. And like you said, with with Witt, I think there's a lot to like We're at the point where he could take that step. I don't see why we think that he's going to regress. He's got the ballpark working against him, but it I mean, it didn't seem to affect him. He still went 20-30, and he hits the ball hard. Like, I think he could probably transcend Kaufman, even though it probably took a couple of home runs from him last year. He's still young. And I, I think there's a step forward in a lot of areas of this game next year. So 25 25 is probably pretty realistic with yeah, 260, 270 average. Like, I think that has a chance to push him over Trey with just with Trey's age. Like, I think there's a chance that the decline for Trey could be, you know, in the next couple of years.
0: That is a perfect segue because that's what I was about to ask. Is you know, when when do we think that is going to happen? I don't think he's a fall off a cliff. Let me let me just get that out of the way to start. But you know, with a guy that had you know, obviously he's a, a great bat as well. But you know, I think the number one driving value or driving factor to his fantasy value is the speed. Now, he's been a thirty plus steel guy for a long time now, and one of the you know the fastest players in baseball. Okay, he only had 27 last year, but you know, still has the great sprint speeds. So we got to wonder, he's 29 now, he's the oldest of this group by let's see here, by how much here? By a, a few years, I'm going to look at it. So he is 29.3, Tatis 23.8, Witt 22.3, and Bichette 24.6. So by a little under five years, the oldest. So how long are we going to keep him, you know, top five, top ten range if the speed starts going down? Or like, when do we think, where do you think that, when does he start trending down, Chris? Do you think this will happen, you know, next year, year after? He's obviously in a new ballpark now, new team, the Philadelphia Phillies. So I don't think that'll hurt him much at all. That's obviously a great lineup, great ballpark as
1: well. But
0: how long do you think he's a top ten guy? I guess is the question here.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's tough. I think. I feel pretty good about this year at least, and probably even into next year. I don't know. I'm just kind of looking at Whit Merrifield, and I know this is not even a, a similar comp because Witt never had the power Trey did. But from a speed standpoint, I mean, we saw those steals fall off with Merrifield this year where he only stole 16. And I think we feel like that he completely lost playing time. And he still had 550 plate appearances and he stole just 16 bags and Maryfield is 33 how would you say Trey was he is about 29 and a half okay so i'll give him at least I say two more two more full seasons as a top 10 guy but i think you have to be willing to trade him if if you get the right offer like if it comes around like and i get a good offer for Trey like i'm not going to be opposed to moving that If you're if you have enough speed, like if you can absorb the loss of his stolen bases, then yeah, I think you look to move Trey Turner and cash out high. Now, maybe maybe there's still more value to gain, but I don't know. Like I just feel like his value's probably peaked at this point. Yeah, no, I
0: he is entering the prime like retooling trade kind of window for an elite player. It's similar to I traded Mookie Betts in my home keeper league. I think it was, when was it? A couple of years ago, I ended up, I think it was pre-2020 season. I think right before the lock, the uh, pandemic, actually, funny to say. But I traded Mookie Bats for, I believe it was Bo Bichette and a draft pick, which I turned into Luis Robert, I want to say. So you might, doing these trades, you might take a a minor step back you know, not a big setback, but a minor step back in the short term, but potential for a lot, like a big win long-term and, you know, even bigger win long-term than the, maybe the loss is short-term. And I I look back and, you know, I have Bo Bichette ranked right next to Mookie Betts in my rankings right now. And, you know, I got basically Luis Robert out of it, who obviously talented, but flawed. That's a, you know, subject for next episode, but yeah, so that's the type of deals I like to do. You you get these guys that are, you know, still great, but getting into their, you know, he's 29, 30 season. Because wh- I think when people see the, you know, 28, 29 is almost a great time. Like Bryce Harper is almost entering that range as well. Like these superstars that are right around 30, you know, they still have a ton of great value, but that's the type of guy, like, all right, trade a guy that, trade for a guy that you think can be just as good and then get a good second piece. Kind of like the deal I just mentioned. So I wouldn't be opposed to that. That's not us saying, Hey, go out and trade Trey Turner right now. No, obviously we're not saying that. So don't nobody take it that way. But you know, it couldn't hurt to, you know, listen to offers and see, you know, you might be surprised. Like you never know what you can get until you listen to offers, obviously. You know, Captain Obvious over here, but sometimes you might get a, an offer, you're like, wow, that even exceeds anything I thought I could get for a guy like Trey Turner. So it can't hurt to at least listen to those offers is kind of what what we're saying here. But Moving to the next little section of our rankings here, I think two guys in particular are very, very interesting for very different reasons. First off, Wander Franco, the uber prospect. You've know, been dealing with a little bit of injuries here. He's limited to 344 plate appearances this past year and wasn't really that impressive in those 344 plate appearances. Six home runs, eight steals, 277, 328, 417 slash line. You know, he's fine, but looking at, we now have over 500. We have 530 batted ball events in his career. He's got a 4.7 barrel rate. Again, still young, uber talented. Don't take this the wrong way, but, you know, exit velocities have not been anything special. Hard hit rates, these are all kind of right around league average. The elite approach is there. So I, I think there's no doubt that Wander Franco is going to be a very, very good real life player how good is he gonna be fantasy Chris I think that's still the thing like how much power does he get to how much does he run is he gonna he be an Aussie Albies with higher average or is he gonna be more of a I hate I hate to say this but a slightly better you know a more toolsy Jeff McNeil you know like is he 18 home runs and 8 steals with a 300 average I don't know
1: where, where do you where are you valuing Franco right now what do you think he can be I, I think that Honestly, like it's a great buy low, right? It's I, I I agree. Funny with that. how quick everybody jumped off, and we're talking about someone that everyone was so sure was the like a surefire thing, and considering what he did, I mean, at his age, we have to really think about that. I mean, at twenty one years old, I know he he missed some time. But the fact that he put up a sub-10% K rate, you know, a good walk rate, he showed a, a feel to hit, hard, hit the ball hard. I know it didn't necessarily translate to the power like we, like we thought. Back-to-ball skills are so elite. And he's going to put so many balls in play that's only going to increase his home run potential, I think. And when we look at this, I mean, I just think it's too soon to judge him and jump off board. And if you are, like, I'll gladly take him in any league that you want to trade him to me in (laughs) if I'm in your league. But the reality is that Franco does a lot well. He may not be a lead anywhere with batting average, but I still think that there's going to be 15 to 20 home run power. Now, those expectations are probably adjusted, like, at some point, as a prospect, I think people are going too high on him, and, and we—I think both said that. But the reality is, he doesn't chase often. He swings; has great swing decisions, and he the—he's capable of hitting the ball hard enough to produce the power that he needs. How many stolen bases he gets, I don't really know. He's got decent sprint speed. Seems like he's got a decent field to steal as well. So. To me, like he profiles is like a three hundred twenty fifteen type. So where does that land you on a list? Like it's not elite, but it's still pretty solid. And. Maybe there's more in the tank, like I'm just thinking about it now, like where he's ranked, there's got to be more in the tank to where he, he's ranked.
0: And I, I, I do agree with all that. I'm, I'm certainly not, you know, jumping off board or, or out on him by any means, but it's like. All that's you know fair but it's like we we have him ranked as an elite player yeah so if we don't think he's gonna be an elite player we have him ranked as such and you know i kind of like i i didn't mean to do a, a comp to jeff mcneil so please no don't take that the wrong way i'm just, but people kind of forget jeff mcneil yeah he was bad last year in 2021 but jeff mcneil is a 307 career hitter so let's say if i told you that wander franco put up a year 318 384 531 slash 23 home runs, you know, around 160 combined runs in RBI, and like 10 steals. You take that as a win, right? You say that's a pretty good year. That's basically what Jeff McNeil did 2019. A Little less speed, he had five steals, but I I just think we're we're treating him as an, a guy that's like a surefire elite player or for fantasy, and he's probably I guess he should be a very good hitter for a very long time. I would bet a lot of money that he's a 300 career hitter end of his career. Maybe even 310 3, 15. But I just, you know, 15, 20 home runs, I agree with. 10 to 15 steals, I agree with. But I don't know. Does that like that what's the best case scenario? Like what Tim Anderson's been doing? I I don't know. It's just I struggle with where I think the profile can be compared to age, compared to you know, raw skills, compared to where I have him ranked. And I, I wonder, like, should he be top twenty? I I don't know. Should he be more like thirty to forty? Maybe that's a better range. It's, it's just really hard with Wander Franco. I'm not saying he's bad, but I'm just saying I think he's going to be a better real-life player than Fantasy.
1: Yeah, and I, I I agree. I don't disagree with that. I have him at 49 overall for Dynasty. Oh, you do? Okay. So, it's not in the elite tier, but it's still a top-tier shortstop. Like, And it's interesting, because we always think about shortstop being so deep, but I'm looking at it, it's like, like, why do I not have more like elite of the elite types? I guess, right? But I, I think there's not a buying opportunity on Wander because the the narrative just changes way too fast on prospects. Like, oh, for sure. And it's, in some cases, it's warranted. I mean, Jared Kelnick, just look at that. I mean, maybe he rebounds, but maybe Wander Franco's just a solid fantasy contributor, and that probably warrants him dropping even further down.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking at my rankings right now. I- at this very moment, I have him 29. I might even look to move him down. Like, what, you, Let's do a, a quick, who would you rather have? Who would you rather have moving forward
1: dynasty, him or Ozzy Albies? I mean, I'll take the bad and average sacrifice, I guess, to get Albies power speed, because it's certainly better than Wander's. How about Wander or Jazz? Jazz.
0: Wander or Gunner?
1: Gunner. I'm trying to
0: find some more. Wander or O'Neal Cruz, probably the, probably Wander at that point. Wow, yeah,
1: that's, it, that's I mean, it gets close. Like that's that's where it gets close in this range. But
0: okay, then those guys are older. Yeah, trying to get younger players here. So yeah, like so, those are all guys that I have currently have below Wander right now. But I'm starting to question. Like, I do like Ozzy more for fantasy. So yeah. and and Aussie's only 25. Like he'll be 26 soon. But Jazz is you know only a couple years older. What is Wander? He, he's yeah he's still only 21. So these guys are three four years older but i have more we've seen the power speed from them and we've seen the metrics you know for guys like O'Neal, cruz and, and jazz who haven't put it together for a full year yet but have that upside so th- that might be it's, it's funny it's i i feel like he's a buy low and, and a sell at the same time which is weird to say <laughs> but like i guess it depends on you know who's who's knocking on your door right like nice. is it is it a big wander supporter like oh this guy could still be top 10 dynasty I Guess you guys got to feel it out I guess whoever if you have them or don't have them if the Di- wander you know manager in your league is kind of looking to sell you definitely can buy low if you have him and someone that values him a lot more than you do comes knocking on your door i could see sellings so i guess it just kind of depends on your league and and who you're talking to and what kind of what, what the situation is for wander but Again, still good, but I feel like he's a bit overvalued for, for fantasy purposes. Alright, next the other really you know enticing name here that I just said was O'Neill Cruz. How high do we think O'Neal Cruz? Even Jazz. Jazz is not on our list now, but there's talks of him moving to shortstop. I don't know if that's cemented in stone yet. They just signed Gene Segura down there in Miami, so could have Segura at second and Jazz at short. We'll see, but how high do we see O'Neal Cruz and, and even Jazz here? We'll focus on O'Neill Cruz, but both of them, you think they can get up into you know, I don't know if they get up into that top four, but maybe they settle in right behind it in that second tier.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all. I mean, the the metrics are just through the roof with O'Neill Cruz. And he made some tangible changes. Where I think that it could really benefit him. I mean, we saw down the stretch where he seemed like a totally different—not totally different, but an improved player from the the contact standpoint. And if that sticks, then I mean, we're talking about a rare combo of 98th percentile sprint speed plus, like, basically 100 percent. It's 100 percentile max EV. It's pretty much 100 percentile, like 90th percentile EV as well. So, like, that's all through the roof. Where if all goes right, then we're talking about 40 home runs and 25 stolen bases. What cost of the average? I mean, daggum, if he just gives me a 250 average with that, then I think <laughs> <Take> you, that, <laughs> yeah, I think even then you're looking at a, gosh, I don't know. I'm just looking at my the top 10s, tough to crack, but, but 40, hey, if 25, 40,
0: I mean, that probably, as long as you have, let's say, let's say it's 250, 40, 25 with B, let's say he gets up to 90 RBI. So let will say like 175 combined runs in RBI. Yeah, that's gonna be, that's gonna be top ten, I think. I, I think top ten is possible. Like if he if he makes those improvements and, and kind of reaches that level, top ten is definitely possible. Probably ends up settling in the, the next tier, which is still gonna be like top 25 or even top 20. But yeah, him and Jazz are two of the most exciting players in baseball. Kind of sucks that they're kind of buried in Pittsburgh and Miami, yeah. and yeah. you know. Nobody's really going to know their name outside of us baseball folk. Like they're not going to be like You won't see kids walking around with O'Neal Cruz jerseys or Jazz Chism jerseys that they like they do with NBA and NFL. But they are incredibly exciting, and yeah, I can see both being top twenty. Who are, like more long term? That's a tough question. Who, who do you think? Okay, let's break it down. Pure ceiling, like everything breaks right, they hit their hundred percent of that outcome. Who has the higher pure ceiling in your mind between O'Neill Cruz and Jazz Chism? I don't think it's close. I think it's O'Neill Cruz. You think it's O'Neill Cruz? I'm, I'm leaning that way as well. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a huge gap, but I would lean Cruz. But I think we've also seen Jazz make some adjustments that we quite, you know, haven't quite seen O'Neill Cruz make yet. So I could maybe say that there's a slightly higher floor with Jazz. I do wonder that huge frame with O'Neill Cruz. If pitchers expose that with a bigger zone, we'll see. But I think long term, I I have Jazz ranked ahead now because he's showing more, but I do think there's a chance that we see O'Neal Cruz pass this year. It's, it's yeah. going to be a fun year for both of them. I,
1: I think so. I hope we get full years from from both of those players. Fingers crossed, man. I mean, Fingers crossed. It, yeah, it's... I was looking and Tatis went 42-25 in 2021 with a 282 average. So, I guess, my question was, is it humanly possible to hit... It like, Would Cruz hit higher? I mean, I feel like the average would be higher if he hit 40 home runs. Like higher than two fifty, but even still, so like Tatis was the clear cut one when after twenty one in my opinion when he went forty two twenty five, and then with a two eighty two average. So if Cruz was forty twenty five with a two fifty average, then I think he's got to be easily top ten. Yeah, so I'm pulling something
0: up real quick here. I want I want to compare. I want to see what the metrics were for Tatis that year compared to o'neill Cruz this past year. So in tw- was it 2021? All right, okay, never, never mind. I thought they'd be a little bit closer. They're not. Scratch this idea. <laughs> 2021. Tatis had a 21.3 percent barrel rate, 56 percent hard hit rate, 62 percent hard hit rate the previous year in 2020. Yeah. So exit velocities were higher as well. So not quite. Cruz isn't quite there yet. Though Cruz 15.5 percent barrel rate last year, 46 one hard hit rate. I think. Did he have? He had the hardest hit ball in, in the stack era, right? That one twenty two point four, or was it still? Is it still Stan?
1: No, I think it. I think Cruz has the hardest hit ball.
0: Yeah, I think he. Did. I think he passed Stanton finally. It was like Stanton and Judge were hogging that leaderboard, but yeah, he definitely could. But that K rate thirty five percent, gotta drop that down. Whiff rate thirty five percent, gotta drop that down. Chase rate actually isn't terrible. It's it's worse than league average, but only by two percentage points. And zone contact was only slightly below league average, so you kind of would have thought it'd be lower, but it's actually not too bad. And in, in both of those metrics, so he's got to cut down the swing and miss a little bit, and wh- you know the whiff rate. And we see a huge year from Cruz, but will anybody see it because he's in Pittsburgh? Who knows? But yeah, it'll be a really fun year. So I'm still trying. You know, the price tag on both is going to be you know fairly high, just given the tools, the excitement, the buzz, the hype, but. This is a situation where I would buy high because I'm not afraid to buy high if I think that price tag is only going to keep rising. And I think, as we both alluded to, I think that's definitely going to happen with, with both these guys here in 2023 and beyond. Let's jump into the next the next ten here, 11 through 20. For me, is Corey Seager, LED LA, La Cruz, who could very well jump up six, seven spots early on this year. Tim Anderson, Andres Jimenez. Anthony Volpe at 15, 16 through 20 is Jeremy Pena, Jordan Lawlor, Tommy Edmond, Carlos Correa, and Willie Adames. Chris, who is your 11 to 20?
1: Hey, it's Dansby Swanson, Jeremy Pena, Xander Bogarts, Tim Anderson, Anthony Volpe, Jordan Lawlor, Tommy Edmond, Willie Adames, CJ Abrams, and Marcella Meyer. So, the first
0: one I kind of wanted to that really jumped out at me that was different in our rankings is Carlos Correa. You have him ten, I have him nineteen, and obviously yours are a little bit more OBP focused, so he gets a nice little bump there. But I don't know with Correa again, it's one of those situations where he's a very good real life player. Like you know, you wouldn't have teams like San Fran and the Mets. Well, again, Steve Cohen was <laughs> first up. Okay. Not to enough subject. Did you see that uh, that meme where it's like, please, sir, you can't sign everyone. Steve Cohen pointing at a seagull. Four years, $60 million. Uh, He's just signing everybody. I, I got right. a good laugh out of that. I saw it on both Facebook and Twitter. That was funny. But, like, obviously, Correa is a very good real-life player all around. You know, the leadership, the defense, the offense. That's why he's getting, you know, these big contract offers from San Fran and the Mets and whoever else was in on Correa this, these past two, three months. But for fantasy... He kind of falls into that range where I don't think he should be kind of valued as high as he is. Like he doesn't run anymore; that aspect of his game is completely gone. He has one steal combined in the last four years, and he already he only has six combined since twenty the start of twenty seventeen. So you, you immediately eliminate the speed element right there. He has he, he's only attempted one steal in the last three years, but you know he hits for a solid average. He's two seventy nine career. So he's always kind of right in that 280 range, give or take. Outside of that one year, he randomly dipped to 239 back in 2018. He's, you know, got good power, but he's never really fully kind of tapped into that in games. He's never had that 30-plus home run year like that, you know, the big RBI year. I know that's team concept and all, but you'd figure like with the metrics he has, you figured he'd have more kind of louder production. He's had good production, don't get me wrong, but I just think with you know, eliminating the speed element entirely, and you know, I said like good but not great power metrics, he's good, but he's yeah. like back in top 100 for me, and I just, he's one where if you had him, I think he's more of a sell for me than a buy
1: right now, even with going to the Mets. Well, I'm not sure people want to buy him right now because of the all the weird stuff. with. I don't the, think the, he's injured. The, the mythical leg injury that happened eight
0: years ago or whatever else, yeah. It's like, yeah. like what's wrong with Correa? What, like, I want to know, like, Someone come out and tell me, hey, this is why, you know, these teams are kind of backed out of it.
1: It's the just last like second. buyer's remorse when, you know, they're like, oh, crap, we just spent how much money? Like, <laughs> even, even Steve Cohen. If, if Steve Cohen's
0: having buyer's remorse, my word.
1: Yeah, there's an issue. It's, I mean, to me, like, he hits the ball hard enough where it's like he should be hitting more home runs. I mean, for the amount of barrels that he produces each year, the the lack of home runs doesn't line up. Well, and maybe he doesn't he doesn't pull enough.
0: I think that's a big yeah. issue. Like, yeah, you only thirty eight point five percent pull rate, which you know isn't bad, but at you know where he's been in Houston, you know, the last several years, or obviously with Minnesota this past year, but he, I think he really just didn't take advantage of the Crawford boxes like Bregman has. Right. So you know, and then at this point, I don't know. I just I just don't know if I see him. Ever finding that level that I we kind of think he could get to is he just gonna be in this range where he's like, All right, 280, 25 home runs, and you know, solid run and RBI totals. So I think that's what he is at this point, which is good, but that's more like 75 to 100 range for me personally.
1: Yeah, he he doesn't hit enough fly balls either, which is the other issue. Like, he's not going to get to the home runs because it's, it's a heavy line drive profile, which is great for the batting average, but I, I really need to see more fly balls in the profile and pulled fly balls at that. With that being said, I mean, you look, and the power metrics are all there. Like, everything you want to see, he just needs to be more consistent with the pool fly balls, and that's, I guess, the biggest thing. I think that in the Mets lineup, like, I'm pretty confident he's going to sign like with the Mets. I don't know, like, you said OBP stuff. I mean, last year, 366 OBP, pretty solid. I mean, first career, he's 357 OBP. He's actually been 366 each of the last two years, which is interesting to see. Even for average, if he's a 280 hitter, I think with 25 home runs, you know, I guess my question is like, how much different is this than Corey Seager? Even though we saw Seager get to the home run power this year, but it was the first time that we saw that out of him. I guess why can't he do it? Because Seager had never topped 26 home runs before. I know naturally some of that was because of injuries but even full seasons we saw like 26 home runs 22 home runs you know then 16 like not good and he really broke out this year to to 33 so i'm just saying it's possible that he could you know really take that step with the power and i'm not worried about the hit tool at all
0: yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not like worried about him Yeah, yeah yeah at all you know i i don't i guess i'm 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 a bit more you know bullish on on Seager's power, you know, a few years back, than I I am about Correa's now, because you know the the quality of contact for Seager's been a bit better, not like a huge difference, but I remember being this higher on Seager than than I am on Correa now by a little bit here, and I I, I remain higher. This the average drop with Seager this past year two forty five, I'm not worried whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. he's definitely definitely got a rebound there. There was nothing that really hinted it's weird too because his zone contact went up this past year. His whiff rate went down. Yeah, the chase rate went up too, but there was you, you figure like all right, there's gonna be something in, in the underlying metrics that signals the the drop down to two forty five from back to back years of three hundred. And yeah, he changed teams, but I don't think I don't think just going from the Dodgers to the Rangers makes you drop 60 points in average. That's drastic. Yeah, He's yeah. a career 287 guy. So great buying opportunity for Sega right now because the metrics are still very good. The stat cast littered in red. Barrel rate over 10%. Extra velocity 91.1. XBA was 283. x slug was 510. One of the bigger differentials you'll see in baseball. Hard hit rate still over 45%. Still has his very good approach as well. So 100%. Go get Corey Seager in all your leagues right now if you can. So, great buy low opportunity there. I think so. I'm a big fan of Seager. As am I. And I, th- I think that Texas lineup's gonna be pretty damn good. That might be a top ten lineup this year with adding, you know adding Josh Young into it and, and the steps that Lowe made last year, and obviously the middle infield guy, Adelise Garcia. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a fun lineup for sure. Fun team getting to, to Grom and Yafaldi. That might be a postseason team. We'll see. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll come back on the other side and get right, right back into it. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey! All right, welcome back from the break here. Let's get right back into it here. A lot of fun players in this range, well, obviously this entire position, but so some of the, names are we're starting to get into some of the non-elite names but still have the upside or you know the former top prospects a lot of intrigue here let's start with cj abrams who debuted this past year 302 plate appearances 246 280 324 slash line two home runs and seven steals so again 22 year old debuting far 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 too soon to write him off but at the same time, I think the questions we've had about his power still remain and might even have been amplified over the last, you know, twelve to eighteen months or so because he still has not tapped into that power. And I don't think any any of us really predicted more than maybe fifteen to eighteen, but can he even get there? Or is he more like, you know, flirting with double digits, 10, 8 to 12 range? Speed is there. It already was there. Seven steals, 91st percentile sprint speed, not worried about that. Didn't strike out much at all, sixteen point six percent. That's good to see, but quality of contact was—I I can't even sugarcoat it. It Was piss poor, two point one percent barrel rate, eighty-six-five average EV. Only walked one point seven percent of the time. Again, I'm—I'm I'm not like running to the door to get out of Abrams and Dynasty leagues, but I'm not sure I'm, he's the one I want to buy either. But you can't really sell him right now because I don't think the he'd be selling low. So. Maybe he's a hold, and you hope that he can rebuild some
1: value this year, but I don't know where where are you at on Abrams, Chris? he's a He's a really tough one to rank, honestly, because i I do still believe in the upside and talent level of Abrams, and you look at a 21 year old who was thrown into the fire in San Diego when he wasn't ready, and I think it stunted his growth. like I really do believe that it was a or oh, the wrong choice. He wasn't oh, ready. Hundred percent agree on that, and it affected him. And then you're then you're traded across the country <laughs> to Washington, and part of you know one of the biggest trades ever. So that also has an effect because he's he's probably pressing a lot. Like he he was probably pressing to prove a point when he debuted. Then he slumped. He struggled, and then you get traded for Soto, and of course you've got to put on a show with your new team. And we even saw the bumps there. At the end of the day, though, I don't think my long-term outlook on Abrams has changed too much. I think there's still a hitter that's capable of hitting 15 home runs and stealing you 30 bases with a respectable average. I think the average was probably his biggest downfall this year. But I will say I expect that to improve this year in his second full season. It it should be easy for him to improve his contact rates closer to what we saw in the minors. But right now, it's, it hasn't looked great. But again, I'm willing to give him a chance just because the circumstances around it. Just being thrown into the fire and being traded across the country, Abrams is going to get every chance to succeed this year, and I think we see him take it and run with it.
0: Yeah, at least he at least he has the opportunity, right? Because who who are they gonna start over him there yeah. in Washington? But yeah, and a lot of the you know, the plate discipline metrics weren't even that bad. Zone contact was actually above league average, eighty-three point seven percent. The whiff rate was better than league average, twenty-two point three percent. Just the chase rate was through the roof, forty-one point two. But you no, know, outside of that, wasn't a lot of red flags in that in that regard. Yeah, I, I haven't really changed my kind of thought process on him a ton. I'm just those questions about can he even get to fifteen? I think he could. He has the raw power to, I think, still. But I'm I'm starting to question just a little more where that power ends up and is he more, you know, like I said more closer to ten than fifteen, which might not sound like a big difference, but it kind of is when you're talking about those types of numbers. But I want to see him little more patience, start hitting more you know balls in the air. Fifty-two point five percent ground ball rate right this past year. Using that speed, just run wild, Abraham. At least do that. You know, you have the speed to run wild. We saw that in the minor leagues. So hopefully, he can settle in this year and return some some solid value in all formats. And then a couple other you know former top prospects that you know have had a you know tumultuous MLB career, but you know started showing a little bit of signs of life this past year. Gavin Lux and Bryson Stott. You know, Chris. Out of these two, is there one that you're more willing to buy into right now in dynasty leagues, or are they kind of two guys you're not really excited about right now?
1: I I feel like Lux just is who he is at this point, and even hate to say that because, but at the end of the day, like it was really like one elite year from him, and we haven't gotten a ton since. There's always a chance that he still steps up, I and mean, he's just 25, so nowhere near the prime of his career. I'm afraid that. We just went way too high on him when he had that great minor league season in 2019 where he just went off the rails. And he's another where he may have been pushed to the majors too quick. And we saw him debut in 2019. But then he had the, the weird COVID year in 2020, and he didn't get consistent at-bats after he debuted in 2019 or 2020, or 2021 for that matter. And then this it, we kept saying, well, he just consistent at in the bats, and he got it for the most part in 2022, and it was just kind of meh. Like, it's the best way to describe it. He does some things well. He makes good zone contact. The issues are he hits the ball on the ground too much. Not, not enough juice on the fly balls to get the home run to fly ball rate right up. And overall, it's just kind of a bland profile. I am semi-intrigued by Bryson Stott, though. I think that Stott still has much more in the tank that we haven't seen. He's got a sweet swing. I really like what he brings to the table. The question is, he probably hits at the very bottom of that lineup at this point, just based on yeah. the signings. So he's not going to accumulate the plate appearances. But last year, we saw him you know, go double digits in home runs and stolen bases. Not impressive at 10-12, but still... I thought it was solid for a rookie. Hit 234. I think there can be improvements there, especially given... I mean, he ran an 85% contact rate and an 89% zone contact rate. Those are both really solid numbers for a hitter to hit 234. I mean, I'm I'm just confused because his zone contact rate was 4% above league average. The overall contact rate was 10 percentage points above league average. It just... This didn't translate to the batting average this year, but that's not to say it can't. So I'm hoping that we see that improvement. He did have a 274 BABIP. Some bad luck there. I think Stock could have a, a really solid year this year. I, like, solid is in 15-15 with a 260 average.
0: Yeah, I think he's a... I don't know if poor man's Tim Anderson's the right term. Poor man's poor man's Tim Anderson or something, something like that. I don't know yet. Yeah. I think that's very fair, though. Two hundred and sixty, fifteen, fifteen. That he sh- showed he can hit for average in the minor leagues. Like you, you mentioned the contact rates. So I won't say that. So say those again. But yeah, I think it's definitely there to in that ballpark. Obviously, nice ballpark. And I still think he'll he'll have if he's starting every day, which he should, solid amount of even runs and RBIs more than most. You know, bottom third of the order hitters because that there's not a a bad bat in that lineup one through nine, especially when when Bryce Harper gets back. So yeah, I, th- I think if you can accept what Stott is, that like he's ever going to be a guy that you start at second, second base or shortstop, but maybe he, you know, maybe he's not even going to be a, a great middle infield target, but maybe he's like a back end MI type of guy, or you know, a good depth guy, depending on your on your league depth or a guy you throw at utility, something like that. You know, a good depth kind of a piece that you can throw in if someone gets hurt. So I, th- I think he's fine. I think Lux is fine too. I'm, I actually have them back to back. I have Lux once spot ahead of Stott. And yeah, if you can su- accept what they are now, kind of stop dreaming on more. I think they're both fine assets here. One of the one here, I wanted a little debate here. Two young guys, Jeremy Pena and Vaughn Grissom. Obviously, we are expecting Vaughn Grissom to move over to shortstop. So both these guys are fairly close in my rankings here. I Obviously, we didn't, we didn't list Vaughn Grissom yet because he has not gained eligibility as of now. But is there one of these two that you prefer? Is there one that you think can distance themselves from the other, or are you kind of feeling that these guys are pretty close long-term?
1: I think that Jeremy Pena is probably the better fantasy asset. He made some tweaks and changes down the stretch that really paid off for him. I mean, he, he basically just killed his leg kick. And after that, he, he, we saw the numbers take off. I mean, we're talking about the world series MVP and, let me pull up exactly when this change was made. But to me, like what he did this year as a rookie going 22 11 with a 253 average, like I think there's room for growth, especially given his zone contact. I mean 87%, again, really good, as we we talked about stats. Like 87.3 is good zone contact. The problem with Pina is the chase rate of 41%. So that's gonna have to improve. I think it can improve. The approach definitely improved down the stretch. And the results came with it. We saw him dominate the postseason. And if I'm not mistaken, the change was made like around September 12th, I think I remember hearing. Let me just run the math there and see. I'm actually just gonna let's just get, you know, do all September for what it's worth. In all of September, 121 plate appearances, six home runs, four stolen bases, two seventy-eight average. Also, let's just look at the plate discipline metrics then. Still a high O swing, which is a bit concerning. But his own contact was ninety point seven percent in September. And I need to—I don't remember. I need to find where I read that. And I remember tweet. I swore I tweeted something about it, but maybe not. I, th-
0: I think you—you you definitely did tweet something about it. I remember that.
1: I thought so too, but I just couldn't find it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't—I don't, don't, don't
0: remember—I don't remember when it was, but I definitely remember you tweeting something about
1: that. I—I want to say it happened like in, maybe in August, early August, or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember, but anyway, it, the the change was tangible, and the change actually had like tangible results with it. So, I I do think Jeremy Pena has the more power. I don't even I don't even say he has the more power upside. I think, but Von Grissom is like sneaky on the base paths. Like I think Von Grissom could approach 2020, and he could come with a serviceable average too. So. Both these will be interesting to follow. And maybe I'm wrong for saying Pena could distance himself. And at the end of the day, like, man, people think Von Grissom can be a shortstop. And I'm sorry to tell you, but you're wrong. Like, <laughs> well, well, everybody's like, well, the scout said that he... Scout, I'll just be honest, like, professional scouts just crap on players. Like, that's what they do. And Von Grissom is athletic enough and solid enough player. And he's only 21 years old. Like, he's going to get better. Ron Washington would not have promoted him as the shorts like this guy that he thought could be the shortstop if he wasn't confident in him. Like Ron Washington knows infielders better than anybody. So to me, I think he's gonna consistently get better and Grissom's gonna be a solid shortstop.
0: Yeah, for me, long term, and I totally agree about you know, Grissom playing shortstop. And I think it's part part of the reason why they are you know, willing to let Dansby go outside of the, the, the price tag that he got from the Chicago Cubs. But I think overall, you look at raw skills. I don't think there's a big gap. But I think if either one were to distance himself from the other, it probably would be Pena if he takes advantage of his home ballpark. I think if he learns how to maximize that, I think he definitely could. I think there's, you know, like I said similar profiles, but I think this is a, a little bit more potential across the board for maybe not in steals but i think you could see him getting up 25 26 27 home runs something like that maybe even flirt with 30 i won't entirely rule that out though I, i'd bet more on that the mid-20s range and yeah i think definitely the average could take back up as well so maybe looking at 275 10 type and then maybe grissom's around you know 275 15 to 20, 15 to 20, something like that. So I like both of them long term. I think they're going to be kind of guys that flirt with top 10 status. Maybe, maybe they never get inside the top 10 or sneak into the back end. It's just such a loaded position where, like right now, we're talking about guys like O'Neill Cruz and, and and you know, Dansby Swanson and Xander Bogarts are right around like 8, 9, 10 for us right now. Gunnar Henderson and stuff, guys like that. So it's just hard to break into the top 10 of this position. But at second like base, you know, obviously they'd be a little bit higher, but. I'm I'm fine with with both these guys. They're they're both target lines. I think the the price tags are both fairly reasonable. More so for Chris. I'm obviously Pena winning. World Series MVP adds a little bit to his value. Just just because you know, he was in the news and he was in the bright lights, and that that just has that effect on him. So, but in general, I like both these guys. I think they'll be fine here. You know, any any interest anymore in like Javier Baez type? I, even at a low price, to Mondesi, any interest at all in those guys anymore, Chris? Or, or are you just done with those two? I, I think mean, I'm. I think I'm mostly done. I, th- I don't think Bias. The skills are just. We saw. him like the profile is is fun but scary, and now he's in Camerica. So I don't know. I I don't want anything to do with Bias anymore.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, the price is pretty depleted on both. I think I've drafted both at least once this off season just because they go so late and. Yeah, it's not good. There, there's not much good in the profile, I don't think. But power speed is intriguing with both, which is the only reason to consider drafting them. And in a dynasty format, like they could be interesting, but I don't think you can rely on them to be in your starting lineup every, yeah. every day. So if they're a bench piece and you can acquire them cheaply, then I probably would at least consider... Because Mondesi's going to have a week where he steals 14 bases in one week. And so if you happen to catch him in that that week in your lineup, then you killed it. So I think there's a place for him on a roster, but there's there's not a place to start them consistently, I don't think, unfortunately. It's just, just an ugly, ugly profile at this point. Yeah.
0: At, at this point, if the price was low enough, I don't need to give up maybe a couple prospects or two that I, I don't, Think I'm gonna, you know, hate trading? Then yeah, I could I could see getting those guys if, if the price was right. But I don't know. I think there's always gonna be somebody that likes Montesie more than me. Always will be. And there's always gonna be somebody that probably likes Javier Baez more than me. I have Baez 29 in my rankings right now, and Montesie is 34. So he's right in the middle of a lot of prospects so I'd probably rather have at this point. I'd rather take a, you know, stab at you know Jackson Holiday or a Luis Angel Cunha. Or something like that. He's even behind, you know, guys like Gavin Lux and Bryson Stott at this point. Real quick, let's end it here. We're getting close to the hour mark. Let's finish off our rankings and then get out of here, Chris. Let's go twenty let's get twenty-one through let's go twenty-one through forty here, because this position is so deep here. For me, I have Tovar 21, Abrams 22, Marte, Novi Marte 23, 24, 25, Oswald Peraza, Royce Lewis. 26-30, through 30, Marcelo Mayer, Ahmed Rosario, Nico Horner, Baez, Gavin Lux, 31-35, Bryson Stott, Jackson Holliday, Mondesi, Luis Hanal cunha Luciano, Mason Wynn, Tyro Estrada, Christopher Morel, Jordan Westberg, who I think i will probably actually move up a little bit here, and Adele Amador with Luis Arias and Nick Gordon kind of close by with some of the prospects like Edwin
1: Arroyo, Rocio, House, guys like that. Who do you got 21 through 40, Chris? All right, so it starts with Ezekiel Tovar, which I feel like I need to move him up. Like, I've got him above Myers, so I need to move up. But Then followed by Royce Lewis, Jackson Holiday, Noely Marte, Marco Luciano, man, the prospects here, Luis Arias, Mason Wynn, Jordan Westberg, Brian Ro- Rocio, Nico Horner, which I also feel like Horner probably should be ranked higher than he is. But anyway, another... Another story for another day. Ahmed Rosario, probably could also move him up. Ray Mateo, Javier Baez is 32, followed by Colson Montgomery, Oswald Peraza, who I also like a higher, I think. Man, a lot of adjusting as I'm reading. Like, so this is a very helpful exercise. Brady House, Edwin Arroyo, Adele Amador, Sedan Rafaela, and Matt McLean to round out that 40th spot.
0: So yeah, a lot of fun names there. Obviously, a lot of prospect names that we already talked about last episode. So go check that out if you want to hear about all the the elite and fun prospects at this episode. But that is going to wrap us up for this episode. We hope everyone enjoyed it. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. Join us again next time for the, what will be the outfield position, which will be even more deep and fun as it always is. But until then, everyone take care.